You're listening to the Empower to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Dina T, and I'm so excited to take you on a journey through stories of everyday experts as we share the ways we've harnessed the power inside us to improve the quality of our lives and the health of our minds. We're so excited to have you here with us and hope you feel inspired and empowered to heal. Hello, you beautiful souls. Thank you so much for showing up and joining us today. I am sitting here in my comfy clothes, all cozied up after just spending the Valentine's weekend with my family. My husband, my son, and our dog, we all went up north to Flagstaff to visit our in-laws and play in the snow. We made so many memories and we ate all of the food. (laughs) My mother-in-law knows how to make all the delicious butter-filled meals that are like sugary and there's all different types of bread side dishes. And I got to tell you, her love language is food. (laughs) And boy, does she fill us up. We came home with two Costco-sized freezer bags full of her famous dishes to last us through the next few months or longer. And you know, (laughs) when I come home from spending the weekend up there, I always feel about 10 pounds heavier and 10 pounds happier. (laughs) From her home-cooked soul food. Oh my goodness. We are driving back down from Flagstaff today, and I was reflecting about my relationship with food and my body, and how food is designed to nourish our bodies and our mind, and how sometimes food seems to nourish our souls, and both of those things are okay. We don't need to feel guilty around food or always associate it with good or bad, and sometimes soul food is exactly what the doctor ordered, and other times we got to eat to nourish our body and our brain power and give us energy. And that's what today's episode is all about. I had the honor of interviewing an old friend of mine, Kenna Kemp, about her relationship with herself and with food. And this woman has truly inspired me on my journey of self-love outside of my physical body. And she's done this by just me following her social media posts and her social media presence online. She is a fierce and inspiring woman, and I am so excited for you guys to meet her. Kenna is also a youth and family minister in an ELCA Lutheran church. And we actually met uh, many years ago, back in like 2007, through our Lutheran campus ministries church up at NAU. And Kinna has, um, I've kind of watched her social media from afar, just in awe of her healing journey as she's shared her story as it's kind of unfolded. She's used this platform as a means to be authentically herself and inspire other people to shift their thinking of their relationship with their bodies. And she spent the majority of her life in a state of friction with her body and with food and with exercise. In today's episode, she shares how existing in a larger body has impacted her view of herself, her sense of self-worth, and how she seeks love. And today, Ken is going to share that journey with us, navigating a binge eating disorder and how she learned that the root of her struggles had everything to do with how she loves herself and talks to herself and what she chooses to believe in. She's going to walk us through the foundational shifts that she had to make in understanding shame, and self-acceptance and her relationship with food so that she could take steps forward and towards freedom in living a life where she loves herself wholly, authentically, and unapologetically. Today, we're going to talk about some things that may feel triggering to some as we dig into eating disorders and disordered thinking, and also as we talk about body shame. So brace yourself to be inspired as you become empowered to heal. 
Hello, Kinna. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Empower to Heal podcast. We're so honored to have you with us. Thank you, Dina. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I'm very excited to create space for you to share your story and journey with our audience. I've been following you on social media for some time, and um, we've known each other. uh, We met back in college in EPA Mm -hmm. NAU. And that mm-hmm. was when I was a baby. <laughs> I think I was yeah. 18 and um, just figuring out what I wanted to do with my life at that point in time. And um, since then, I- I've graduated, moved, and you've moved to multiple different states. And so I've kind of just followed you on social media, but I've been really empowered um, to find ways to love myself differently and view myself differently through the posts that you've shared through social media. So, um, a lot of what you have shared has spoken to, um, loving ourselves and dropping the expectations of, um, what the world has taught us growing up being a woman in this, this world of how we need to look and feel to be, uh, beautiful or seem beautiful or be desired or to have love and worth for ourselves. And, uh, mm-hmm. you have shared so many posts on social media to combat that, that distorted thinking, right? Like that, um, distorted point of view of who we are and what, what creates worth for ourselves. And, um, mm-hmm. your authenticity on social media and putting it out there in the world has been inspiring. And I'm really excited to learn so much more about that and to create a space where people can, um, gather tidbits of information that they can use in their life to shift some of that thinking, um, and learn through your journey that you're going to share today. Yes, girl. <laughs> my language. <laughs> All righty. So do you want to start out? You can share with us a little bit about your story. Yeah, I'd love to. So let's see. It Pretty much my entire life, uh, my family has been telling me that I was a big girl. So I have never been, I never existed in a thin body or a small body. Now, granted, looking back at like pictures of me in high school and stuff, like I was considered plus size, but like I was probably a quarter of the size that I am now. Mm -hmm. And so it's always been put into my mind that being plus size is bad. And it doesn't help that like, (laughs) it's really hard, especially as a teenager, um, to go shopping with your friends and not be able to buy any of the clothes um, in the stores because no stores have your size. You have to go to a special store (laughs) that your friends can't buy from, but that you can buy from. And so that was just tough, you know, even just as a young kid. And I was always active. I just have always existed in a larger body. Like it was never about being lazy or anything like that. I just have always existed in a larger body. And so I've always carried that with me. And then it doesn't help that, you know, my whole family and everyone that surrounds me is so caught up in diet culture and this idea of thinness being beautiful and thinness being healthy and thinness being good and worthy. And so that has just been a societal norm that's been in my head you know, since birth, since I was a 10 pound baby. (laughs) Yeah. I think of like the, even to how we as women breathe is different. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I'm learning like diaphragmatic breathing and letting your belly rise and fall with your breath, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've been trained since like being a young girl to not let my, my belly expand. Right. And to breathe Mm -hmm. in my chest. And Mm -hmm. it, it goes down to like, Oh, you don't even think how we breathe anymore. Like when I'm going through my day, it's not a thought of like, oh, I'm breathing. But Mm -hmm. the most amount of time, I'm not breathing properly because of how it's been ingrained in my body to keep my belly thin, right? 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even in the way that we sit and what we wear. I mean, I was always encouraged to wear black clothes. Don't wear horizontal stripes. Mm. It'll make you look fatter. I mean, it's just been in my head forever that fat is bad. Fat is ugly. You don't want to be fat. Right. And so, you know, fast forward to at the end of the time we knew each other in college, like college, I had my own (laughs) set of journey and craziness. Um, But after college, I was like, I'm going to get my health in check. And to me, getting my health in check meant that I was going to really restrict my foods. I was going to work out with a trainer who like guilted me whenever I didn't lose enough weight. Um, He also used to like, I got my first boyfriend, not my first ever, but like my first real boyfriend, I guess, Mm -hmm. after I had lost this weight. And he told me I needed to thank him like it was him who helped me to get a boyfriend because I, he had helped me lose all this weight. Oh my gosh. I know. So disgusting, isn't it? And at the time I was like, I mean, yeah, you know, thank you for helping me lose weight. Like you're right. Like me being thin helped me get a boyfriend and the attention of men. And like, you're right. You know, like at the time I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, And so looking back at it, I'm just like, I've written so many letters to my younger self apologizing. (laughs) My poor younger self just like believed all this shit. Sorry. I don't know if I can cuss on this. You can cuss. (laughs) Be real. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, and so anyway, so, you know, I lost like 85, 90 pounds. I can't remember how much at the time. And again, I, I was gaining all this attention of men. So I was like, yes, I'm, I'm worthy and I'm beautiful now. But really during that time, I started letting men take advantage of my body. Um, and that's uh, associated to this definition of like what your body looked like at the time, yes, right? Like you're yes, connecting it, it in this conversation around like yes. being thin or more, um, yes fit or exercising or wow I was more attractive right and so I thought that I guess that's what happens when you're more attractive that you can just let men basically take advantage of your body um which at the time it felt like well you know I I like it too you know I'm into this but really I wasn't I was so like disassociating my mind with my body and it was like I was just letting it happen if that makes sense And so it was, it was really traumatizing. Um, And then I started seeing a guy and I found out around Christmas time (laughs) that he um, had gotten another girl pregnant while we were together. So I had, you know, no trust for men, no trust for myself and how I like relate to men. And at the time I just wasn't happy at my job. Like there was just so many things going on. I just, and so I decided to run from it. And um, I had always felt called to go to seminary and to study scripture and to become a teacher within the church, whatever that looked like. Like, I really, I feel called to be compassionate and love people. But the thing is, is I, I didn't know how to love myself. And I think that that's really important when you're, when you're trying to love and care for other people that you can find that for yourself as well. Otherwise, you'll just burn out. Yeah. I was recently watching a documentary where um, there was a discussion in there about like the need to first and foremost, love yourself and go up Mm. to a mirror and look at yourself in a mirror and say, I love you. And Mm -hmm. how hard it is to say Mm -hmm. that looking yourself in the eyes, right. And not coming from an egotistical standpoint, right. Mm -hmm. It's not your ego speaking, but it's literally you loving your heart, your soul, your spirit, who you are and how painfully difficult that is. 
Yeah. And you know what? I'd even say I challenge some of those sometimes too. I a hundred percent agree. And some days it's so easy for me to look at my, what we call a bee belly. I have like that like hanging fat mm-hmm. <laughs> underneath uh, my belly. And um, it's hard for me some days to look in the mirror and say, I love that. But some days it's like, oh, heck yeah. But I do think at the bare minimum to at least, at least say, I respect that. You know, look in the mirror and be like, I respect you body because you're the only vehicle I have in this world to exist. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so like, I'm going to respect the snot out of you because you are doing what you need to do to help me like be here, to be alive, to be present. And so, you know, at the bare minimum, at least respect that's um, so profound to view. Yeah. To view yourself through that lens Mm -hmm. of like, this is, I only get you, right? This is the only Mm -hmm. chance I get to experience this, this life here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, what a beautiful way to think about that. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, But of course, you know, back then I had no concept of any of this. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to love others, (laughs) like whatever. So I, I ended I went to seminary um, and I moved from, I was, I was running away from all of my problems in Arizona, really I mean, I think I would have gone to seminary anyways, but I moved from Arizona to Minnesota and I thought everything would be better and everything would change because I had, you know, moved locations. I had left all the crappy men behind and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But the reality is, is you can't escape that stuff until you do the internal work. And so Mm -hmm. I was very isolated and lonely and the culture in Minnesota was super different from Arizona. There was a lot of like what I call white niceness now. Um, Just a lot of like, it felt fake, I guess is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of authenticity going on, people being welcoming and everything, but like didn't want to get down to the nitty gritty with me. And that's just what I crave now, even like, I just always crave that I'm going to be drawn to people who are just totally authentic and real about life and not trying to like, you know, Instagram, like looking all perfect with your family, all smiling at the camera and all, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like people who are real. And so in seminary, I was um, drawn to a friend of mine, and I, I won't say her name, um, but she uh, is a recovering alcoholic, and I just immediately was like, like a moth to a flame. I was like, girl, I need you in my life, and <laughs> became very pivotal in my story, um, and so in seminary, I mean, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me the most was there was one night I uh, ordered a bunch of Chinese food, like enough for like a whole family to eat, right? And I was watching something, I think it was around like elections with Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that sticks in my head, but it does. <laughs> and I was like sitting there watching it and like shoving my face um, with all of this Chinese food, not recognizing each bite in my mouth, just really trying to get it all into my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um And it was so much so that I, you know, I got really sick and I ended up in the bathroom throwing up. And I realized in that moment, like I felt like such shit and I was just crying and I was so upset. And um, the next day, you know, I went to the little seminary cafeteria and my friend was there that I was talking about. And I sat down, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, you know, I'm not like, Like, I just, I need to be real, you know? And of course I felt safe to be real with her because she, she was so real. And so I sat down and I told her what happened that night. And she's like, you know what? I, I have a friend 
um, that I want to connect you to. I was like, okay, like I'm desperate. <laughs> I'll take any. <laughs> and so I, I ended up um, calling and talking to her friend who was in a 12 step program um, for people with, um, for eating. I don't, again, I don't want to name anything too specific because I don't want, you know, it's, yeah. it was part of my journey. Um, and so I joined this 12 step program and it was, it was a start to my journey. It was a start to recognizing my relationship with food. And that is something that I don't think a lot of people um, are given the opportunity to like actually think about. Like, it's like when I was doing training, it was like, this is what you eat. And this is what you don't eat. These foods are good. These foods are bad. Right. And so I was like, cool, that's just what I have to do. And then when I got into this, you know, program, it was starting to think about your relationship to that food. So for sugar, for existence, for, for example, um, sugar for me was like, we would, we would associate it with being a drug, um, which I don't love that language anymore, but it, it got me started right in my journey. And so I noticed that anytime I had sugar, I didn't want just one bite. I wanted so much of it because it, there was so much pleasure on my tongue and I wasn't getting enough pleasure in the world and in my own body and like loving myself and everything around it, that I just wanted all that pleasure on my tongue. And so wow, I ate. that's something right there <laughs> that all of us can relate to. Right? Like, and that's, yeah. I think of when I think of my relationship with food and my relationship with, with a need to help others, there is oftentimes comfort in food. Like if Absolutely. I'm going to support somebody who's grieving, I'm like, Absolutely. what food can I bring you? How can I, there's like this direct connection because like you just said, like the taste of mm -hmm. it on your tongue gives mm -hmm. you something that you're missing in that moment. Yep. Mm. yep. And there's nothing wrong with that too. I mean, that's, I mean, so when I started this journey, you know, with this 12 step program, it was like, okay, well then you just have to eliminate that food. And so what happened was I was now training my brain that all the no-no foods, I just had to eliminate and I could never have them, which made Christmas awful, which made mm. birthdays awful, which made like days that were supposed to be celebrations feel like crap. And of course they would be like, well, try this instead, like sugar-free and stuff, which tastes like shit, by the way. And, <laughs> and also, it probably has so many chemicals in it that sucks you. for your body anyway. Thank you. I'm like, is this really actually healthier? I'm not sure. <laughs> Created so, in the lab. <laughs> Again, it started me on my journey and I am so grateful for it. And so fast forward, I, I graduate seminary. Um, I actually start diving into this work a lot. You know, I, I wrote my master's thesis um, using Brene Brown and using um, Nadia Boltz Weber. So I'm in seminary. So I was looking to a theologian. Um, so that's who Nadia Boltz Weber is. She's a, she's what we call a public theologian, but she's a Lutheran minister. Um, her handle is sarcastic Lutheran, sarcastic Luther. I can't speak sarcastic Lutheran. <laughs> I don't know, something like that. Anyway, she is so dope. She is, if you don't know who she is, go check her out. But between what I was learning from her about being a Lutheran and grace and just having grace with myself and grace with my body. And then all the work I was doing with Brene Brown, like I was even in a class, like really studying it and uh, recognizing shame triggers and recognizing all this stuff, like all of that just beautifully like molded into my master's thesis, which is around doing ministry with authenticity. Mm -hmm. So for me, like authenticity is 
absolutely like my number one core value because there, honestly, there's no other way to really live in the world other than being authentically you. But now, you know, as I am in my journey even more, like now I'm like, I want to be unapologetically me, not just authentically me, but unapologetic about it. Because some, you know, people are always trying to look to be a better version of themselves. They're always get better, get thinner, get this. You always have something you need to change about yourself. But when you actually sit in the work that Brene Brown and, and, and Nadia Boltz Weber have really laid out for me, it's just like, I am free. Like I am free of all that. I just get to sit here, know that I'm loved, know that I'm imperfect and like just be in it. And like, for me, what transforms is knowing how much God loves me just where I'm at. And then that moves into like, I'm so filled with that love that now I'm loving myself more and I'm loving others more because of that. So that makes sense. I mean, it all goes back to me for the the I'm like totally getting off tangent here no I love it I was just gonna ask you to clarify (laughs) no yeah I was gonna ask you to clarify a little bit more like that is a huge foundational shift Mm -hmm. like how did Mm -hmm. you even Mm -hmm. take the baby steps to get there yeah and I would say I'm still working on it but what helped me was knowing that I am at the same time, sinner and saint. That's core to to my faith and the teachings of grace um, is knowing that at the same time, like you are imperfect and you're also called, like you're also a forgiven sinner. That's what we call a saint is a forgiven sinner. And not even, I mean, this is not to say that like being fat is a sinner and I needed to be forgiven for that. No, 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 no. Like don't even associate that. But it was something in my soul that I needed to hear because there was something about myself that I didn't think was good enough. And that's why I was binging and trying to numb and trying to get that pleasure from other areas. And really I needed what I needed was to recognize the shame voices in my head, to recognize how much I was hating myself and talking down to myself. And I needed to start filling in with more positive messages and not just like positive oh you're beautiful you're loved whatever like it needed to be like heartfelt I needed to believe it I needed to own it and so one of the scriptures that I fell in love with as I was studying in seminary and I just like started weeping when I read it is one that's often actually read at funerals. Um, it's Romans eight, I want to say 35 through 39 or something. And it's basically talking about how nothing in this world can separate you from the love of God. And I don't know why that was so profound to me, but in the moment, in, in, in the midst of, of my despair, in the midst of how much I was hating myself, that piece of gospel, that piece of good news was everything to me and I needed it and I needed to know it and I needed to marinate in it, you know? And so that's really like, like that scripture alone. And then on top of that, you know, Psalm 139, you are beautifully and wonderfully made, you know, God knows you in your mother's womb before you even formed, you know, all it's just, it became so beautiful to me that my life actually mattered that, Mm -hmm that I mattered, that I, I deserved love. I deserved, um, to feel good. I deserved more in life than hating myself and binging and trying to numb. So uh, girl, I mean, I could go on for days. So get me back on track. I I so appreciate you going down that route to share that though, because many times in our life, it's not like, there's not this huge, like earthquake that shakes us into like 
thinking differently. Like we have Mm -hmm. to go out searching for it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always just like plopped in our laps with a bow. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to find space within you to seek and search and try to find the connections you need to give you perspective and a sense of worth. And what you did and going to the Bible, right? Going to, to the Bible to have that teaching of, of no, I am worthy and I am beautifully made and I am in his image and I am exactly how I am supposed to be. And if he loves mm-hmm. me, then I should love me. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's beautiful. It truly yeah. is. Yeah. I, you also shared a little bit about like the programs that you went through, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. navigating kind of your thought processes and that the 12 step mm-hmm. program wasn't super for you. Um, yeah. but you, you shifted to this change of like ch- shaming food and judging mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to, um, your relationship with food. And it, yes. could you share a little bit more about I that? Would love with to. Us? Absolutely. Yeah. So what happened? Um, I, so I moved to Colorado after, um, after seminary and I was still on my journey. I was trying to find a 12 step program here, but it just wasn't working out. And I was like, I wonder if there's a reason. And so I was like, okay, let me just like find a therapist. Like that's a good start. (laughs) And I wanted to find someone who like was good with working with people around food. Um, and at this time, I think I had recognized that I had an eating disorder. And so I had named that I have a binge eating disorder. And so I found a therapist, which by the way, was like a hundred dollars a session. And I was freaking poor, but I knew, I knew that I needed to, to at least try and spend the money and try this out. And oh my gosh, it was the best money I've ever spent in my life. Um, what she did for me. So while I was in the 12 step program, I eliminated sugar completely. Like I said, and birthdays sucked, you know, Christmas sucked, all those things. It was, and it, it's just so hard because we think of food as like, again, as good or bad, black and white thinking around food. But we don't also think about all of the joy that it can bring and that that's okay that it brings that, especially in celebrations. Like we have to be able to honor our own cultures and be able to like have a piece of cake. Like it's really a big part of our family's culture to have the, um, I think it's Funfetti birthday cake. Yeah, <laughs> and like, my husband's favorite. <laughs> right? And like when I couldn't have that anymore, it was like something's missing from my birthday and there's nothing wrong with having a piece of cake on your birthday. But for me, because I had eliminated sugar, whatever, you know, it just made my birthday like not as sweet, pun intended. (laughs) And so anyway, so I go to this therapist. She is absolutely brilliant. And she is the one who told me to eat a cookie. (laughs) And I said, (laughs) I can't do that. I had been like eight or nine months. I can't remember how long it had been without sugar. And, um, you know, feeling pretty good at myself. Cause look at me, I went that long without sugar, but anyway, she told me to eat a cookie. So I was like, okay, fine. So I went, I, I went home. I remember ordering it. It was like a pizza cookie. Oh, I don't know, oh. Papa John's or something. Right. <laughs> and I was so terrified to take that first bite terrified. 
but I did it. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. (laughs) And then I just kept eating and then I kept eating and then I ate like half the pizza cookie. Right. And I felt like shit. And I was like, see, this is why I don't eat sugar. Cause I can't stop, you know? So anyway, I go back to my therapy, like, you know, I go religiously loved my therapy. She was so helpful. If you've never heard of EMDR, I highly recommend it. I don't know your feelings on that. Yeah, um, do you know absolutely. about it? Okay. Good. Yes. I, I recommend <laughs> it as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Powerful tool. Absolutely. So we were doing some of that work, you know, she had me do all this timeline work to, I mean, you got to put in the work. If you're going to retrain your brain, you have to go back to where your brain started telling you these messages. Right. And so I have like the earliest memory of like, I think I was like five years old or something. And my dad already wanted me to put, to put me on a diet because I was too chunky. Oh my goodness. Um, so anyway, I, that's nothing against my dad. He was just a part of this culture that like was very profound and still is today. Like it's very, it penetrates everywhere in our life and especially around stinking New Year's. So yay, happy New Year and all the floods of going yeah, on a diet. Yeah, <laughs> the diet culture is like forced down your throat yeah. for the New Year. <laughs> yeah, so obnoxious. Uh, so I get louder <laughs> so anyway, to, com- to combat that. But anyway, um, what do I say? So therapy, um, so I told her, I was like, so I like binge and I feel like shit. She's like, so then we worked through that. And then she's like, you know what? I really think would be beneficial is for you to check out the eating disorder foundation. I was like, um, okay. Like I'm really busy. I don't know if I have time for that and therapy, you know, I was like, okay, fine. Like she says, it's good. Let me try it. Um, and sure enough, again, that was, I didn't, it's no money at all. It costs nothing. It was just a weekly meeting with other people who have binge eating disorder. Um, and we sat around and we, it was just like this really safe place to talk about what was going on in our world. Um, and it, it changed my life. It really did. It was like, I think I did it for like a year and a half. And then unfortunately my schedule changed and I couldn't keep going, but that year and a half was so transformational. I mean, and and in that, you know, we would bring up like the hardships that only like we would understand, right? Like being around skinny people who talk about being fat and how that affects us as Mm -hmm. people who exist in larger bodies and how that tells us still repeatedly that that means that our body as it is, is not good enough because we're larger than you and you don't even like your body. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really traumatic. And to be able to like share that with other people who understand you and get you, but then we also lift each other up and share resources. And oh my gosh, my group was obsessed with Brene Brown. And I just, <laughs> you know, I already had loved her and I just continued to love her and all of the work there. Um, so anyway, I, um, it was really, it really helped to change my mind. And again, to start thinking about a different relationship with food, that food, um, It doesn't have to be scary that you can eat the food and not be bad. Right. So the, there's this thing is like, um, a lot of people say I was bad today. Well, why were you bad? I was bad. Cause I had pizza and I had cookies and I had soda. And like, so they're relating like these so-called bad foods to then them being bad themselves. Wow. Right. And so, yeah. And that's just such bullshit. And it, it, it's so toxic and it's so, it just ruins not only our, our, our emotional health, but our, our physical health as well, because, I, anyway, I don't and know. And it how to chips at it. your identity, right? Like oh, all of a sudden your absolutely. entire identity becomes being bad. Like, yeah, because yes. you ate something. <laughs> exactly. Or, or because you didn't work out that day. Like, oh. that's another thing we have to be careful of is like, 
how like, oh, well, I work out like I know I used to do like 5Ks and stuff. And I remember going into um, like the little stores with the shirts and everything. And a lot of them would say like, I run so I can drink and it would have like a beer stein or I run so I can eat and it would have like a piece of pizza. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this mentality of like, well, if I want to eat that shit, then I need to run it off or I have to make up for it you know? And so then people are like beating up their bodies even more as opposed to, which is where I'm at now, thank God, moving for the love of moving. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Moving because your body feels better afterwards, right? And finding that thing that your body likes to do to move because it's giving you energy, it's helping to relieve stress. I mean, there's so many things that we can gain from exercise versus what we can lose with exercise, right? Everyone thinks about, well, I want to get rid of this belly fat. I need to lose 50 pounds. I want to be swole. I want to have a six pack. Like they will, they always want, I shouldn't say they like that. Like people are bad guys. I should say that's where I was too, right? That mm-hmm. exercise was always about losing weight. And so it's annoying when I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this exercise program. They're like, oh yeah, like, are you losing weight? I was like, nope. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not doing this to lose weight. I'm doing this because I sleep better at night. I'm able to release stress and tension. I am able to like have more energy from this. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I love the reframe of exercising yes. for what you can gain instead of exercising right. for what you can lose. Like, right. So that's so like mind blowing to think of it through that lens. Cause I don't think I have, right. I'm not some, Mm -hmm. I don't like exercising when I Mm -hmm. move my body. Mm -hmm. It's like, I like impromptu dance parties with my four-year-olds. Like that's how I want to move my body. Not to like jump on a treadmill or run around the neighborhood. (laughs) Like I'm not a fan but it makes you think like, man, my husband and my son were, were working out to a video this morning and, mm-hmm. and they, my husband works out for what he can gain. Right. And he, mm-hmm. he likes the release of emotion and, and mm-hmm. it's an outlet for him. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there and I'm like, and I'm the person on the sidelines videotaping. Like right. in my brain, <laughs> I had this like negative thought, right? Like that automatic mm-hmm. negative thought that popped in, like, do I should be on the mat next to you. Like, mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. that wasn't, that, that, that doesn't give me anything when I do that. I don't mm-hmm. gain from that moment. So I, yeah. love, I also really like, as you were talking about, um, like the relationship with food, I was sitting here thinking like, I, I used to think of food through a lens of like, what can it give me in terms of like, uh, or how can it relate to an emotion I feel, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, having a good time or, oh man, like it was a stressful day. I deserve this, right? Mm -hmm. Rather Mm -hmm. than like, how do I feel after I eat it? And what do Mm -hmm. I want to feel like? And Mm -hmm. I've been, I mean, with the holidays and Christmas, I'm a sugar addict over here, Mm -hmm. chocoholic to like the extreme. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I've had to shift because I feel such a difference in my body. Like you said Mm -hmm. earlier, like comparing sugar to a drug and needing more and more Mm -hmm. and more of it. Like I don't feel good after I eat. Like the second it's on my tongue, I'm happy. But the second it's not, not on my tongue anymore, I'm like, 
oh, I need another bite, right? I need more mm. of that. Or it doesn't make me feel the way I wanted it to feel. And mm. I told my, Michael, my husband, when I was going to sleep last night, I said, tomorrow, help me not eat sugar. And he's like, mm. okay. And I was like, mm. I, I want to feel good tomorrow, right? Like, mm. I don't want to feel tired. I don't want to feel like I need to take a nap. And every time I eat sugar, I feel mm-hmm. that way. And it's like, okay, Dina, like, don't make it about what you want to get from eating that food to relate to emotion but mm-hmm. like how do you want to feel that day and how do you want to structure mm-hmm. a day to feel the way you want to yeah yeah it's kind of like <laughs> me and coffee so um I stink and love coffee there's something about it for me I think it's because my mama always has a cup of coffee like every morning so there's something nostalgic about the smell of coffee and all of that and coffee in and of itself is not like inherently bad or whatever right however when I drink it it makes my chest tighten and my anxiety gets like really bad unless I'm careful about how much I drink or what I put in it or whatever. And so like, that's what I recognize when I'm doing more of what's called like intuitive eating um, is you're just recognizing how food is actually like affecting your body as opposed to, okay, here's this bite. It was so good. Like, I just need to keep eating more, but you're not savoring every bite. Like that was one thing I did learn in the eating disorder foundation was what would it look like if you had that bite of cake, but instead of thinking about the next bite you're going to have, you really sit with the fact that it's a great bite in your mouth right now. And so what that did was it helped me to slow down, slow down my eating and not just be like, oh my gosh, this chocolate is going to be gone and I have to eat it all before it's gone. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know that sounds weird because of course it's going to be gone if you eat it all. But I mean, that's a lot with where my binge eating is, is like, I enjoy it so much that I have to hurry and get it all. I need to hoard it all for myself so that like no one else gets it. Like it's for me. I'm going to eat it all right now. Um, So anyway, yeah, I mean, it's all... Yeah, I like I like the intuitive sense of like really trying to recognize what a food does to your body. And um, so I like what you're saying. And at the same time, like I know that gluten is going to make me tired. But on Christmas Eve, I don't want the nasty gluten-free cinnamon rolls. I want the gluten cinnamon rolls. That is our tradition (laughs) in our family. And I know that if I eat it, I'm going to want a nap, but it's Christmas. So I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like giving ourselves permission to still eat things that maybe, you know, May, might not be the best thing. Like I'm pre-diabetic. Sugar is probably not the best thing for me to eat or drink, you know? Yeah. And at the same time, I still give myself permission to once in a while, have a piece of chocolate, right? Have some peanut M&Ms. Um, if I, I notice if I have too much like carbs or sugar and I don't pair it with protein, then I feel like shit and I don't want to feel that way. So I know that anytime that I'm going to have some chocolate, I need to make sure that I have you know, some turkey meat or a piece of cheese or something with it to help balance out that sugar to protein ratio. So it's really, I mean, it's really about getting into your body and seeing like how it's feeling. And I'm not going to sit here and claim to be an expert on all of this. Like I still am, you know, trying to learn from other people, from other dietitians. I'm actually trying, I'm wary. I'm wary of dietitians who try to profit on this like body positivity, like love yourself stuff. Um, because I, I'm just weary. Cause I think they're trying to 
profit off of people like being hungry to change their mindset. Um, and so I get really nervous of like, especially thin women <laughs> who are promoting themselves as dietitians. I, that's my own journey. I'll work through it later, but it is something <laughs> I think people should be cautious of as well. Um, just because I don't want others to be taken advantage of, but there are people out there who are dietitians who like, I follow a, a Latina dietitian and a black dietitian on Instagram, and they are so helpful in like helping me to recognize how much like the body is associated with culture and what's good and what's bad. And I won't go down that cause that'll, that'll be a whole separate podcast, but it's just something that's really curious and it's good. And I love how they're always like encouraging people to like still participate in your culture just because it has a lot of fat or a lot of sugar doesn't mean you can't have it. Like when we start going down the road of, I can't have that, it makes you want it more. At least me, I'm a rebel. So oh, I'm like, absolutely. You, I think that's like, you tell me I can't. <laughs> yeah. You tell me, no, I'm saying yes. <laughs> so when I was a kid, my dad, we had a jumping choya in our front yard and my dad said, don't mm-hmm. touch it. <laughs> what did I do? I touched it and he was pulling like freaking cactus needles out of me. Right. Yeah. That's my son right now. Every other word is no, 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 no. And I'm like, oh, he's just going to do it anyway. Yeah. So just let him get hurt, I guess. Let him fall down. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Something else that you had shared that I, I'd love to speak a little bit more about is, um, shifting our, our connection of loving ourselves from how we look. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think of the change throughout. So I'm in my thirties now. And Mm -hmm. when I look at my, my life and my body from being a child until now, um, I went through parts of my life where I was really thin. And, um, I mean, I was a premature baby. I struggled with weight gain. My parents like celebrated when I I think I was in like the fourth grade when I didn't have to sit in a booster seat anymore. Like mm-hmm. we had like the opposite goals uh, for yep. me. Yep. I remember yep. being 16 and getting my license and it was like, I was 90 something pounds on my, wow. my driver's yeah. license. And, mm-hmm. and it was like shame for me. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I was always mm-hmm. trying to gain weight. And then mm-hmm. um, I got older and I uh, got pregnant in my twenties mm-hmm. and my body changed and, um, I wasn't ready for it. I, I'm not, um, I, I'm not built in a way to carry a lot of weight and, Mm -hmm. um, my skin isn't super stretchy, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. Like then came the, okay, I'm carrying a baby. I'm carrying him all in my belly. My body has stretched to the point where my stretch marks are constantly bleeding, right. And breaking Mm -hmm. open and, um, my stomach now and my thighs and my booty all have stretch marks on it. And then I give birth and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I have a new body again. Right. Mm -hmm. Like how do I live with this body? And then more recently Mm -hmm. I've undergone a really big surgery in the, in my abdominal area. And, um, now here I am again with a whole new version of my body that I'm learning to, get used to. And with Mm -hmm. every step in change, which all of us go through these changes, Mm -hmm. um, my body looks different and I feel differently about my body. And so I think that's a space that all of us battle with. Like, how do we separate our worth and our self-love from the way we, we look at ourselves in a mirror? Yeah, absolutely. So some things that were really helpful for me is again, disassociating worth with how you look like you're saying. Um, And so 
something, especially with some of the stuff you're talking about, some really helpful tips that have been great for me is like, again, looking at myself in the mirror, I don't like my arms. They're, um, they're rather large. They have cellulite. Um, so I don't always love them. Right. It's hard for me to love my arms. And so something I, I try to do is like take some lotion and rub that on my arms and like give my arm like the physical attention and love that it deserves. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Which sounds really weird, but it really starts to shift your brain and how you think about your body and what you're doing to help like take care of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing. So when I got pregnant, I had like a different experience, obviously, than yours, because again, I exist in a larger body already. And so when I got pregnant, people couldn't really tell because my belly didn't get very big until like the the end of the third trimester. And so I had to like remind people, yeah, you guys, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, you know, because I wanted that fun attention. It's kind of funny because some people, I know I'm kind of tangenty. No, you're fine. I don't know what the word is, but I I like kind of envied the women who got annoyed with people touching their belly. I was like, nobody touches mine. (laughs) Like I kind (laughs) of want you to touch my belly because like, I want you to understand that I'm pregnant because you can't see it. Like I'm not a cute pregnant woman like you would see online. Right. Mm -hmm. And can we just talk about for a minute too, like when people are posting like their pregnant selfies and they don't have any stretch marks and how they lose all this weight afterwards, they're getting constant praise. And we see that praise, which then to us tells us, well, shit, like I still have stretch marks and I haven't lost my baby weight yet. So I guess I'm not as worthy or as deserving of like love and attention as this person is when really it's just like, well, maybe it's easier for them to lose weight, or maybe they have some unhealthy tendencies and they're starving themselves or doing whatever it has to be in order to get their body back. You know, like, why does it have to be that we go through this and we want our body back. Like a great example from pregnancy is I had great boobs. My boobs were awesome (laughs) before pregnancy. (laughs) And now they are lifeless and flat and flabby. (laughs) And I, I miss it. You know, like I do miss having like the cute perky boobs, but I (laughs) time I have to remind myself like this these boobs they gave life to my son yeah you know they provided all the nutrients that he needed to continue to grow as perfectly as he did you know what I'm saying like how how do I honor my body for all that it's been through so my boobs like yes they're flat and flabby now and maybe don't look how the supermodels look or whatever but like <laughs> Why does it have to, you know, because they served their purpose. That was what they were supposed to do, yeah. potentially, right? Maybe not for all people, but, and then the same with like my belly and all my scars. Like I think of it as like, man, I've been through a lot. And how do you look at your, I'm totally like looking at my belly right now. I know you can't see me, but I'm like, <laughs> how do I look at these stretch marks and just be like curious and thankful for the journey that it's been on to where I am today and what they've taught me. And, and for, cause I had stretch marks before I had a baby. So that's not a, that's not a new thing for me. I did get new ones. Um, but anyway, all that, like, how do we just start getting more grateful? I think that's a, that's the best word for me. That's helped me in my, in my journey is being grateful for my body and what it can do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not perfect. I have, um, 
I had to have mass trauma. I had a mass trauma bunion on my right foot that I had to get surgery on. And it's still to this day, just like prevents me from always doing like a good push up or whatever. Cause I don't like being up on my toe cause it hurts. Mm -hmm. And so, but how do I be grateful for like modifications so I can still do a push up on my knee and that my body is still moving and still like walking me from point A to point B, or even if you, your legs aren't in use, like being grateful for your arms and their strength to be able to push you around in a wheelchair. Um, how can you start to be, just be grateful for the things that you do have within your body and what your body does. The fact that you're still alive, your body is doing so much inside <laughs> that is helping you to keep you alive, like breathing and fighting off viruses. And you know what I'm saying? So it's like yes! so you much to be grateful for. So why, like, why just like look and it's so it's petty. That's the best word I can think of. It's just petty to like sit and look at your body and think it should look a different way in order to be beautiful or worthy or whatever. Like, how can we shift yes. like the external, what it has to look like and start just being really grateful for what it is. You know, you are inspiring me so much right now. <laughs> like all of us have a laundry list of things about our oh, bodies yeah. that doesn't work the way we would want it to work, or we feel like the functioning of it is subpar. Right. And mm -hmm. to shift that perspective to something else, like I'm thinking of like, man, I, and we can see it through different ways. Like when we choose something, I feel like we give grace to it. And then when something mm -hmm. happens to us, we're like, mm -hmm. we have angst around it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. how dare you? And mm -hmm. I, I, uh, so giving birth to my son was very traumatic and, uh, on my body and I, he broke my tailbone when, <laughs> when I gave birth mm -hmm. to him and mm -hmm. my tailbone has healed incorrectly now. And so every step I take, I have pain. And every yeah. time I sit down, I have pain and like practicing yoga, which is something that I, I have a lot of love for. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel <laughs> so much pain and I have mm -hmm. never once sat here and thought, um, wow, like I'm thankful for this modification where if I hold my body in this way, I can do this or thank goodness mm -hmm. that I have my upper body that I can, mm -hmm. I can stretch and feel good and feel invigorated through, or I've never thought of that before. And then I look on the other hand and I, that big surgery I recently had, I, mm -hmm. um, I prepared my body for that surgery. I donated mm -hmm. a kidney to one of my friends. And I was like, I'm going to give you the strongest kidney you can get. Right. And mm -hmm. I prepared myself for it. And then since that surgery, I know that my body's overcompensating now, right? Like mm -hmm. it has to function in overtime to compensate mm -hmm. for the loss of one kidney to figure itself out. And I feel like I have a lot of grace for that. And I, Absolutely. I know that I'm going to have my tired days and I know mm -hmm. that my body is going to respond and feel different. And I know that straight mm -hmm. down to like how frequently I pee is different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I have so much grace and understanding for something I chose and mm -hmm. how miraculous my body is around mm -hmm. that endeavor versus like something that happened to me where I, I literally put blame on and frustration towards and what mm. you shared about shifting, like what we're grateful for around that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's foundational for me. Like that is so inspiring. And it's not to say like, we can't grieve the fact that I can no longer do a push up. you know, 
not on my knees, right? Mm -hmm. Or that we can't grieve that we used to love doing yoga this way and now we can't do it that way anymore. It's not like we can't grieve it. Absolutely grieve it, feel it, be upset with it and then move through it. It's an emotion. Emotions are moving. They're emotive, right? They don't Mm -hmm. stay forever. So how do you move through then that grief to the other side to understand your body differently. Because the reality is your body is not going to be the same today as it is tomorrow. Even in, even in minute ways, like, yes, you know, postpartum does things to your body. Um, when you get older, your body starts to change. You know, all of these things are just natural and they happen anyways. But even just from day to day, like if I go to work out on Monday, I might not be able to move my body as much or as I want to maybe, like I might be able not to not like work out as hard as I want to, but I'm still moving and going through the motions. And then on Wednesday, I might come in like a total badass and like, you know, work, work out like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But what I, what I recognize and what I have to do is I have to honor the fact that my body was doing what it could that day. And now it's doing what it can today. You know what I'm saying? So like, stop just like beating, beating up our bodies because it's not operating the way or looking the way that we feel like it should. The should, should is just such a nasty word. I always tell people to stop shitting on themselves. Like just stop (laughs) it. Like if you are saying should like recognize that you said should, and where is it coming from? Who's telling you that you should work out this way, or you should eat this, or you should do that. Who's telling you that? And why are they telling you that? And really question where that should is coming from. So I love that. I'm sitting here thinking through my relationship with my husband and all the shoulds that we say back and forth. Oh, I'm gosh, like, oh yeah. dang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that brings, yeah. And it brings back to like aware, become aware of these things that you're bringing up, Kenna, and then don't mm-hmm. judge them because the yes. judgment is where we, we hurt ourselves. Right. Yes, ma'am. Yep. But feel your feelings. Don't get stuck in them and move forward. I have a friend that uh, her kind of saying is like, I was stuck in my sad, right? And um, mm-hmm. I'm practicing happy. And when mm-hmm. she recognizes, ooh, I'm stuck in my sad or I'm stuck in this feeling, she then tells herself what she has to do to practice something to move through it, um, mm. which I think that awareness and like the being so attuned with your, in a, like attunement with yourself mm-hmm. um, is a powerful way to step through like judgment or like being, feeling like you're in a rut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that also just goes back to my Brene Brown obsession and and her work around shame and, and recognizing shame. Cause even as we're sitting here doing this podcast, you know, I got to catch myself um, in my shame voice. That's occasionally trying to peep in saying like, who are you to like, think that you have anything <laughs> like to oh. say you know, that's important or relevant to anyone, you know, like I just, I had to, I have to work through that constantly as someone who's a preacher and a teacher and like really out there on social media and trying to combat, you know, normal societal things that I don't love that I want to change, you know, it's just having to, again, recognize those shame triggers that are telling you you're not worthy enough, or your voice doesn't matter, or these things, like we have to be able to recognize those things in order to move forward and to change that mindset. Yeah, I think the awareness is the very first step. And Mm -hmm. that that awareness is hard to stumble upon throughout life, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can feel like one day you're mastering it. And then the next day you're like, (laughs) here Mm -hmm. I go again. Uh 
but oh. then recognizing it is is key right like oh mm-hmm. here it is it's happening mm-hmm. the stupid binge wants to happen the stupid thing wants to sneak into my life but I see it now and then the beauty what Brene will say is naming shame doesn't allow it to have power over you anymore mm-hmm. so I'm no longer food doesn't have a power over me anymore right diet culture doesn't have power over me anymore because whenever I recognize myself wanting to diet like I name it I see where it's coming from because people don't like my fat body and I recognize it and then I speak it and it's gone. Like it doesn't have power over me. It doesn't get to tell me how I need to show up and exist in the world. So I'm all about like, how do you start to recognize that shame, speak it and not let it have power over you. And that's what I say when it's so free, it's free. It's full of grace. You get to just be and live in the world. You know what I mean? Yes. I feel like that deserves a mic drop right there, Kim. <laughs> Woo! Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's something that we all strive for. I know like, you know how people set intentions for the next year, right? Mm-hmm. The new year and welcome 2021. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And I rolled over in bed because um, I don't know about you, but I don't stay up very late. <laughs> My yeah. son wakes up and I got to be ready. Exactly. Um, right. But I rolled over in bed and I was telling him like what my, my goal is for 2021. And I reflected on the three years past. I had two years that it really took me to, to learn how to give myself grace, right? Grace mm-hmm. was kind of my focus for those two years. And then 2020, mm-hmm. um, courage, courage was my focus. And, um, for 2021, I said, I said, this is going to be my year of freedom, of release, mm. of, of like being authentically me and letting it out, like yes. soaring through that. And I'm so excited to, to mm-hmm. be actively taking steps towards that in my life right now. But mm-hmm. what you just taught me right now is, is even though I, I like have days of awareness and I have days where I feel like my, I don't know, I'm an ostrich with my head in the sand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just recognizing those hard days are going to continue freeing me, right? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, Kenna. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for imparting so much knowledge on us and inspiration (laughs) today. I'd like to give you an opportunity to share with us a little bit about um, something that you want to promote in your life. I know that you um, are, are... by all standards of beauty are finding ways <laughs> to infiltrate the the world of beauty, yes, right? So <laughs> do you want yes. to share more with us? Girl, I would love to. So yeah, I, I just got to say, um, you know, plus size women, and I'm talking like, I'm not even just talking about plus size, because you know, we could talk about size 12 being plus size. And to me, that's like half my size, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, for fat women in the beauty industry, like we just don't get much of a spotlight. Um, And as well as people of color, we just don't get a spotlight as well as people with disabilities, you know, Mm -hmm. like our bodies have to look a certain way in order to get a spotlight typically in the beauty industry. And I'm really, um, I get really weary of certain like beauty lines and things that are always trying to promote like changing your body. And so, so I do, I sell um, what's called Line Life by Alcom. um, And I am absolutely obsessed with it. And while I'm in it, I'm making sure that I am not promoting like anti-aging, right? Because there's nothing wrong with aging. That's what our body is supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with it. 
And at the same time, I do use some of those products, right, on my skin because it really helps to hydrate and moisturize my skin and make me feel like a total badass because I'm using these all natural products that I absolutely adore, but I'm not saying, oh, you're starting to get wrinkles. You better use this, you know? And, you know, so I just, I'm really, uh, I love being a part of the beauty industry for, for the sense of helping women find confidence, but not by changing themselves, but by taking care of themselves. So whatever that looks like for you. So some of, some of my customers, you know, they don't care about makeup. And I love that. Like just take really good care of your skin and wonderful. You don't need makeup if you don't want it. And then for those who do love makeup, like myself, why are you wearing makeup? Just making sure, like, are you wearing it because you think you're ugly without? Well, Let's just check on that, my friend, because (laughs) you can be beautiful without wearing makeup, you know? So it's just been like, I'm still a youth minister. I love that. That is my call in life. Um, So this is really like a, like a side hustle, but it's, it's all the same work to me. It all feels like ministry. It all feels like, how am I helping people to just um, find how much they are worthy of love? You know what I mean? And how, how do just how much they are loved, just no matter what, no matter if they use my skincare or makeup, no matter if they believe in God, no matter what, like just how loved and how valuable they are and how, um, how they deserve to show up in the world and be unapologetically themselves as well. Well, you are making a mark in that, my friend. I mean, (laughs) even from afar, I've been watching and and snooping on your social media because (laughs) you're so inspiring. You literally, I want to watch what you have to say. I feel your energy and your love. And when you feel somebody's love, like for you, and it's not even Mm. directed at you, you start (laughs) feeling love for yourself, right? Like, good. I I think it's you bring an energy about you that I adore and you have very insightful tidbits that you drop every here and there that um, (laughs) are earth like earthquake status tidbits of (laughs) of shaking up how we view ourselves in this world. So Mm -hmm. you're doing it, my friend. You are. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I encourage everybody to reach out um, and, and follow you and find you. How do they do that? Uh, so I think. I don't actually know. <laughs> I, you know, I should be better at that. Um, there's my should. Um, anyway, I, I'm on Facebook as Kinna Marie, um, K-I-N-N-A. I'm sure you're going to post like my whatever so that yes. people don't spell my name. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram. I think it's called Glow Fiercely with Kinna. That's kind of, that's what I kind of have rebranded. Um, my Lime Life by Alcom business. Um, it is an MLM, so I don't have to like actually create the products and just sell the products, but it's my own business. And so I call it um, Glow Fiercely. Um, and the fierce, actually, the I is a semicolon, and that's very intentional to um, bring awareness to mental health issue um, issues. Mm-hmm. The semicolon says that your story is not over yet. It's not a period. Um, and so that's really important to me in my journey. It's tattooed on my skin, um, the word fierce with the semicolon. And so this is just a way for me to help people glow fiercely into who they are, you know, and then feel that confidence to glow fiercely into the world and show up as their authentic selves and love the world and make a difference just as they are, you know. So that's, that's kind of my tag. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Kenna. So I'm going to encourage folks to find you on social media, follow you, whether it's to, to be a part of your, um, your beauty business and, and buy products from you, or just to really feel inspired by 
um, how you show up every day for yourself Mm -hmm. and how you show up for others. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. I hope you are feeling inspired and empowered in your own healing journey. I know that many of you listening might be reflecting on your own stories that you may feel called to share. If so, please reach out to me at dinat at empowertoheal.com. That's D-E-N-A-T at empowertheenumber2heal.com. Or drop me a message through my Instagram handle at empowertheenumber2heal. I would love to connect with you and learn about your journeys so that we can hopefully continue to spread these powerful life lessons on empowering ourselves to heal. My contacts will also be linked in the show notes below so that you can easily find me. We are so eager to start a movement in showcasing the many ways we can heal. And you can be part of this movement too by capturing images and tagging them hashtag empower the number two heal on Instagram. We look forward to seeing all the ways that you are empowered to heal. I love you beautiful souls and thank you so, so much. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and review. Thank you.